What's so compelling about John the Baptist? This is a question that I'd imagine that maybe a few of you are asking as you show up to church on the second Sunday in Advent, the, the Christmas season in full swing, and, and we're introduced to this uh, rather strange and somewhat unsavory character. I mean, what is so compelling about John the Baptist? So compelling that, uh, that when all four gospel writers sit down to write their story about Jesus, all four of them begin with the story about this guy, and three of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, they go out of their way to tell us that all sorts of people are going out to see John. I mean, what is so compelling about John the Baptist? You know, the, the whole thing, uh, it involves a little bit of uh, spiritual whiplash, at least for me, because, uh, you know, out there in the world, the Christmas season is already underway. The decorations have gone up, the, the music is playing in stores, people are shopping, and on an almost daily basis, our two boys are regularly reminding me just how excited they really are. Daddy! Daddy, how many days until it's Christmas? And, and that's when we show up in a church on the second Sunday in Advent and we meet John the Baptist. He's out in the wilderness. He's on a spiritual tirade. He dresses funny. He eats bugs. Someone mentioned that in the children's message. Uh, he eats bugs. He calls people snakes. And to top it all off, uh, he's telling anyone and everyone who will listen that they better get their act together because the judge is coming. You know, at some point uh, last week, it struck me, it's my job to show up here this morning and tell you that all of this is a good thing. You see, the, the more I think about this text and uh, the more I've sat with this text, the more I'm convinced that this is actually the case. It's actually the case, even if that's, uh, that's something that's counterintuitive uh, for people like you and, and people like me. And to show you exactly what I mean, uh, for just a moment, uh, I want to invite you to think about something else. For just a moment, uh, I want to invite you to think about someone in your life that you're thankful for. Someone that you're thankful for uh, because they impacted your thinking, or maybe they impacted your speaking, uh, maybe they impacted uh, the direction that your life took, or maybe... Maybe they impacted your behavior. Someone you're thankful for because they didn't just tell you what you wanted to hear. They told you what you needed to hear. See, that's the story of John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. And as you, uh, as you begin to think about people like this in your life, I'd imagine that, uh, that on that list might just be people like your parents People like a, a close friend, maybe someone you consider a mentor. Maybe you, know, maybe you begin to think about a, a teacher, a teacher that you had back when you were growing up. Or maybe you begin to think about a teacher that you have right now. Whoever it is, it's a person in your life who isn't afraid to tell you the way things really are. You see, that's what John the Baptist is doing in today's reading. You know, once I get past the spiritual whiplash that I have every time that I listen to this reading, I almost find myself grateful. 
Because there are all sorts of people in our world who will tell us what we want to hear, but for a variety of reasons, for a variety of reasons, they won't or they can't tell us what we need to hear. You know, maybe that's because they're not willing, or maybe, maybe they are willing, but they just haven't done the hard work to show me that I'm a kind of person, they're the kind of person that I can trust. And that's why I find John the Baptist so compelling, because there are things in my life that I just don't see. And there are things in my faith that I just don't know, and I need these kind of relationships in my life, and, and so do you. And as someone, as someone who wants to be this kind of person for others, and I know that many of you want to be this kind of person too, it means that we need to be developing these kinds of relationships. Because sometimes, sometimes God wants to use us like John the Baptist, like a, a change agent in the lives of those that he so dearly loves. And so all of this uh, leads to the, the third question, uh, which John presents before us in this text. What does this look like? What does this look like in our lives as we follow Jesus? And, and what does this look like as our lives intersect with the lives of other people? And we might just be called to do the same. You see, when you consider that uh, the Advent is a season of spiritual preparation, preparation for the birth of Jesus, all of a sudden this reading about John the Baptist out in the wilderness, it, it doesn't seem like that much of a detour after all. And so with all of that in mind, I think that there are actually a few things about John the Baptist uh, that, that help us as we think about these things in our lives and also as we think about how, how we do these things in the lives of others. And, and the first thing that I want you to notice about John the Baptist is that John the Baptist is someone with spiritual credibility. You see, uh, John the Baptist, I don't think he's as grisly a character as many of us preachers uh, like to make him out to be. I mean, it's really fun uh, to do that at the beginning of a sermon. But, but if you think about it, uh, John's father is a man named Zechariah, a priest who, who serves in the temple. And John's mother is a woman named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is a, a relative of Mary's, and that makes her and him a relative of Jesus, our Lord. And then what I want you to notice is that in today's reading, uh, when Matthew introduces us to John the Baptist, before he even goes on to talk about the kind of wardrobe that John has, he quotes the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, who tells us uh, that someone was going to come to prepare the way for the Lord. And it's, you know, it's Matthew's way of telling us that John the Baptist is this person. You know, the bit about his clothing, the bit about his clothing, it's also a little strange. I mean, I don't even know what camel's hair clothing looks like, but I do know that when Matthew tells us that John is wearing camel's hair clothing, that's intended to point us to the prophet Elijah. That we meet him in the, the book of 2 Kings, and the hope of the Jewish people is that Elijah, or someone like Elijah, was going to come and usher the Messiah in. And so when we, when we read these things, when we see his clothing, we're supposed to think that's about to happen. And then the, the bits about the, the honey and the, the wild locusts that he would eat, those also seem a little strange to me, but they just point us to the book of Leviticus and the fact that John the Baptist is living the kind of life 
of the person who would point us to Jesus. And so you've got all of these details. You know, without any context, all of these details don't make any sense. But when you begin to put them all together, you begin to get a different picture. And it's Matthew's way, and it's, it's God's way of showing us that, that John is someone with spiritual credibility. And this is why people who were living in Jerusalem or Judea or the whole region around the Jordan were leaving the comfort of their homes behind. Traveling who knows how many miles through the desert on foot just to go and listen to what he has to say because these people, they could sense that God was up to something. And, and even if that encounter involves an encounter where you'd say it hurts so good, they want to make sure that they're a part of it. So that's the first thing I want you to notice about John the Baptist. He's a, he's a man with spiritual credibility. And the, the second thing I want you to notice is that, that John is someone who chooses his words carefully. He chooses his words carefully. Uh, the first thing that John says in today's passage is repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And uh, maybe you've uh, heard preachers or myself talk about uh, what the word repent means. Repent means uh, to change directions, to turn around, or, or quite literally uh, in Greek, to change your thinking. And, and this change, uh, it might just make you feel guilty. It might just make you feel a sense of remorse uh, because you realize that at some point you were going the wrong direction. But the emphasis isn't on the feeling or the guilt or the remorse. The emphasis is on the change. In direction. And so that's the word repent, and then John uses this word really carefully. And what I want you to notice is what John does not say in today's reading. He does not say, repent so that the kingdom of heaven will come near. And John does not say, repent and then the kingdom of heaven will come near. John says, repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. Everything in your life can change because the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven, which is the reign and grace and love of God, it's near. It's near in Jesus. And we meet him right after today's passage. You know, it's Matthew's way and it's John's way and, uh, and it's God's way of telling us that it's not the laws in the Old Testament that are going to change our lives it's the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he changes us. He changes us through his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And he changes us uh, because his kingdom is near. And because his kingdom is near, repentance really is possible. Now, last thing about his, uh, his choosing his words carefully, I want you to notice, is that all of this explains uh, why John responds the way he does uh, to the, the Pharisees and Sadducees who come to the people that he calls snakes. And he does so because these people are leading God's people astray. These people are telling them that it works the other way around, that you have to repent so that the kingdom of heaven will come near, or that then it will come near. And, and you know what? God loves his people, God loves you way too much to let you get the wrong impression about who he is or how he works. 
So John has spiritual credibility. Uh, John chooses his words carefully. The last thing I want you to notice is that John points people to Jesus. And he points people to Jesus because he knows what his job is. And he knows what his job isn't. His job isn't uh, to call people names. His job isn't to put people down. And his job isn't uh, to act as anyone's judge. His job is to prepare the way. His job is to remove all of the obstructions. His job is to let Jesus do his work. Because the most important part of repentance isn't what you're turning away from. It's what you're turning towards. And that person is Jesus. Now, a little earlier in my sermon, I asked you to think about someone that you're thankful for. Uh, someone that you're thankful for uh, because they didn't just tell you what you wanted to hear. They told you what you needed to hear. Imagine as I, I say that aloud, uh, names of people begin to come to mind. And, you know, even as I, I stand here, uh, people in my life begin to come to mind. You see, I think about my mom and, uh, and the way that she would make my family pray, the way that she would make me pray, even at times when I didn't want to. Or I think about, uh, I think about the youth uh, leader in the church where I grew up. And uh, I think about the, the challenge that he issued to me uh, because uh, the challenge was uh, to continue to wrestle with my faith. Uh, to continue to wrestle with my faith even at a time when I didn't want to. And then I think about the invitation that he issued to me, the invitation that, uh, that I could do that, and I didn't have to do it alone, and I didn't have to do it alone because I could do it with him. And I think about the, the countless other people in my life, even people uh, here in this place who know when to call me out, uh, but who know that when they call me out, it's not because they're right, it's because together we want to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so today I'd, I'd simply ask the question of you, you know, who is your person? Who are your people? And even more than that, what's your community? Because you see, as a broken, sinful people living in a broken, sinful world, we need the challenge to keep on wrestling because there is a part of us that just doesn't want to. And we need the invitation, uh, we need the reminder uh, that God doesn't want us to do these things alone. He doesn't want us to do these things alone. I mean, that's why he sends Jesus to come into our midst because he doesn't want us to do these things alone. He doesn't want us to do these things alone and that's why he knits us together. And I'm convinced that it is not an accident uh, that we find ourselves here together at Messiah. And, you know, that's why we do what we do at Messiah. I mean, this is why uh, we encourage you to get connected. This is why we, we, uh, we ask you, stick around after the service. Have some snacks back there. This is why uh, Laura Lee will say, hey, do you want to come sing in the choir? This is why uh, myself or Pastor Mike uh, or Nicole will say, come, join us for a Bible study. We do this because we all need a community. A community that's going to challenge us and a community that's going to invite us deeper so that as the kingdom of heaven is near, right now, here in our midst, we might fix our eyes on Jesus. 
The judge who is coming, but the judge who stands in our place as a sinner, taking on the judgment that we deserve so that when we turn around, we might be free and see our Lord and our Savior who loves us so much that he gives his life for us. So who are your people? What's your community? Who are the people that you impact? That's John's message for us today. And it's my prayer that that God would bless you as you're challenged and invited deeper, that God would bless you as you do the same for others, always being mindful of what it takes to build spiritual credibility, of of the fact that we, we choose our words wisely and carefully. And that we always, we always point people to Jesus. May God bless you for his sake. Amen.